Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Christy's moving and she's uh, stressed. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Stressed is the right word. I'm lost. I'm disoriented. Well, you're in your house. I know I'm in my house, but I'm not, things aren't, you know, things aren't settled. So. Are you in that? Like, I'm really fast trying to get everything done. So you don't have time to be sad or are you like feeling a little bittersweet? I'm it's a little bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little bittersweet. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking forward to what, you know, to the next. So that's good. Um, it's not like it's a sad thing, but um, yeah. I, lo- you know, I love my little house. So, yeah. I mean, like when I moved, when I saw my house in Atlanta and, mm-hmm. you know, like I sold it while I was in Arizona at a conference with Sarah. And then I had just a few weeks to get everything ready. And then I went to Unbound and I closed like right five days after I got back from Unbound. So I just didn't have time to like feel any Process of the feelings. And, yeah. and I was on, <laughs> a like a call as I had to leave um the house and I just remember like walking around and just being like I really want to like say goodbye and be sad but I'm on this call that I have to like be on and go to the closing and so it's a weird it's a weird feeling because you have a lot of like good and bad memories in a place and then it's empty and it just like that hollow sound in a house when it's empty it's weird Mm -hmm. it is gonna be weird but we know, I mean, the, the kid that's buying it, um, I've known him since he was little, he's friends with my, my kids and, um, I'm excited about giving him the opportunity. Like it's, it's a very, you know, we didn't put it on the market. He asked if he could buy it and that's just kind of how it all came about. And I just was like, you know, I, I could help a kid get his start and, yeah. you know, he wants to make Emporia his forever home. And so it feels, it all feels right. That makes sense. And that makes it sound like you adopted him from the shelter. Um, I, I would have adopted him. <laughs> I mean, Adam's been like, he's been, he's been part of our lives since he, he was probably, since the kids were probably six or seven years old. So oh, um, that's fun. You know, I've known him forever and it's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. You want a place that you love to go to somebody that's going to a hundred percent. And I don't think, I mean, I'm sure he'll be here for a long time, which is also really cool. So. 
He's like, you can come back anytime you want. I'm like, I'm not really that person, Adam, but, but I'll, you know, but thank you. Maybe, maybe I will. Who knows? He might invite you to a party at his house. Well, and he's going to paint. So he's already told me, you know, I'm not sure I like the colors he's picking, but it's not my house. So, but, but uh, he'll, I'm sure I'll come and check it out once he kind of gets it set up. Like he wants it just to see it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Very. That's Very. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so who do we have today? Um, we are talking to, okay. Now all I can think of is page powered. Page powered, page on Weller. Hey, John Weller, but her Instagram handle is Paige Powered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we chat with Paige on Weller, um, who was second place at Gravel Worlds. Yep. And it's a really fun conversation. It's a fun it's, conversation and it gets yep. a little spicy. It gets a little spicy, rightfully so. And, um, you know, I totally appreciate the way Paige is looking at this and trying to navigate all of it. So I love it. Yeah. Well, we're just going to keep it mysterious. So that you're going to go on over and listen listening. to our episode with Paige Onwiller. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit insidetracker.com slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com slash feisty. Oh my gosh. Hello, Catherine. Christy shows up with a cocktail. I did. It's trying to clock <laughs> and trying to give me a sob story. And I was like, you're in charge today. <laughs> I was going to say it's five o'clock somewhere, but actually it is five o'clock here. So <laughs> I'll just be over here sipping my water. No, just in fairness, um, I've just been um, in the process of moving a bunch of stuff today. So it was just like, oh my gosh, I've got to get ready to talk with Paige Onweller, who we have as our guest today. So, um, and I'm so excited to have Paige with us. Um, I, I, I have gotten to, I don't want to say meet Paige, but like know Paige from afar from, she's one of our lifetime Grand Prix athletes, um, has been, um, super impressive on and off the bike. And, um, anyway, we're just excited that, that Paige is joining us today. So thanks for having me. Appreciate everything that you guys do with this uh, podcast and empowering more, more girls to ride gravel. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, okay. We always start with how did you get into bikes, but yours seems like very recent. So how did you get into bikes Paige? 
Yes, uh, it is very recent. Um, I kind of followed a, the traditional runner, got her hopped on a bike to cross train type of thing. Uh, so this would have been back in 2020. Um, I had been, I'd been a runner all my life, ran in college, full ride, and then kind of competed at like a sub elite level, uh, mostly in like half marathon distances and maybe at best, you know, um, Olympic trials you know, qualifier type, uh, type of runner. And then I just struggled a lot with injuries, like all the time. It was one thing after another, and it was very frustrating to like train, get close to a race and then not be able to line up. And so I started biking just as a form of cross training. Like I had a $150 bike that I had bought from an old coach. Like it was a three by up in the front. And at (laughs) that point, how old was this bike? (laughs) I didn't even know they had those anymore. (laughs) That has to be like from the 80s. I still have it and I still ride it. Um, but yeah, back then, like I had no idea. I was like, this seems like a nice bike, but like it's laughable now. Um, but anyways, yeah, I just started cross training and then like I would see on Strava that I was like, you know, kind of on the near the leaderboards, and I was like, Oh, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm kind of fast at this. And um, I decided that I would uh, in order to keep riding in the winter, I got a Zwift set up and cause yeah. in Michigan, we have a lot of snow. So riding your road is not really an option unless you're crazy. Um, which I am now, but back then it wasn't. So I got a trainer and then I just joined like a local racing team on the Zwift, uh, racing series. And that was the first time that I saw power and was like competing against other women. And I think removing like the technical side of things and just making it like a power-based race really opened up my eyes to realize like, oh, maybe I am good at this. Um, and then I was recruited to a professional team to race on their premier league, uh, which is the pro division on Zwift. And so kind of was geared up to me mostly as Zwifter because let's be honest, like I didn't know how to ride a bike outside. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was kind of geared more towards like time trialing, which wouldn't require a lot of technical skills and then also Zwifting. But as I started riding, I was just intrigued. Like it wasn't like running where you just put on your shoes and you go out the door. It was such a dynamic sport with many things to learn. And I say I was intrigued, but I also had a lot of tears of frustration, <laughs> which I'm sure many people entering this sport can uh, can relate to. Um, but it was just something that I just always wanted to get better and learn and just saw so many opportunities to um, improve. And so I started riding uh, IRL in real life and you know, we have some nice gravel roads around here. And I just felt like a kid in the woods. Like I grew up on 50 acres, like on a sawmill, I used to dog sled race and it just brought me back to my roots and and I just enjoyed it. And for me, like when you're having fun, performance usually improves as well. And so, um, I just kind of got involved with a few local things and, um, you know, at the time, like really needed to kind of quote, prove myself because I was a nobody. Like, yes, I had raw power, but I had no results. Um, And I quickly found that the road scene was just very cumbersome to uh, race, especially in the Midwest. There's not a lot lot of opportunities. And I was working full-time as a PA and just didn't have the time. So I did a lot of research and then I found that Gravel World still had open registration and this was for last year, so 2021. And so I was like, you know what? Gravel Worlds is going to be my first 
mass start big race because uh, I can still get in. And I told myself, I was like, all right, if I don't die in the pack and I like it, then maybe I'll give this, you know, gravel uh, a, a go. So, um, and at that point I was doing a couple time trial events. Like I did USA Pro Road Nationals last year in the TT. Um, and that was kind of like, the path that I was maybe going to head down. Uh, but obviously still needed a lot of work in that area as well. But yeah, I got, ended up getting fifth at gravel worlds last year, learned a lot of really good lessons. Like at that point, like dangling off the back of the pack. Cause I had no idea sure. like how to draft and I learned a lot, even ac- across 150 miles. And it was a great event to be like inclusive and feel like I was, uh, I wasn't intimidated. Um, and I just, saw firsthand the gravel fam that everyone talks about and and loved it so from there yeah I just basically started working on skills and I would take my bike out to a loose corner of gravel and I would take a tire pressure and I would just do corner 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 after another like learning how to corner and learning how to change flats and really just was self-directed and like highly motivated to to learn. Cause I would, I was getting annoyed at like, I was getting dropped on a corner cause I couldn't corner at speed or whatever the case may be. So yeah. And then I uh, got second at Barry Root Bay that fall and just continued to do really well at some of those races as I was learning how to ride my bike. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then this year kind of had a full, uh, schedule, uh, raced with Abyss Pro Gravel this past year, um, was selected for the lifetime grand prix series, which has been a really good opportunity. Like I would have never, never done Leadville before. Like I'm a flatlander, you know, I don't live at altitude and ended up getting a top 10 finish there. And so it's been a good opportunity for me to do these high level races. Um, I have had some setbacks this year. I had, surgery and my knee back in May, a few weeks before Unbound. And then I had a pretty bad case of COVID uh, in July. So I'm just now starting to performing to where I want to be. But yeah, it's been still a big learning process for me. There's a lot of tactics and, you know, at at this level, I think I'm a little naive and running. It was everyone's friendly and drafting is not really a thing and there's less tactics. Uh, But it's like, cycling's not like that. And so, um, you know, for example, I think back to a time earlier this year when I was racing, it was just me and another girl and it was into a headwind and I was on a front pulling and I flicked my elbow. I said, okay, yeah, your turn, you know, and pulled off. And she just said like, I'm, I can't pull. I'm so exhausted. And I was like, okay. So, you know, genuinely thinking this person was struggling that bad. And so I just like, all right, I'm going to keep going. And then like 30 minutes later, she just blew by me on a climb and I never saw her again. So it's just things like that, that I'm learning kind of the hard way is, you know, how to race and, um, how to race, like how I Mm -hmm. want to race. And sometimes I make sacrifices that, uh, I'm not winning um, and just kind of having peace with those decisions and working through all of the logistics there. So yeah, it's been a, been a fun year. I mean, you mentioned, I, I mean, obviously I'm familiar with the Lifetime Grand Prix on a different level than you most are? people. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard um, of it? But, <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> but I think I like one of my favorite things, I mean, obviously this is the first year, so it's a growing year even for a lifetime, like as we're, as we're navigating how we do all of this. But one of my favorite things that we did was, I don't know if you know, Michelle Duffy in particular, 
but Duffy was like the biggest proponent of Paige Powered on the planet. Like she's like, Paige is, we got to get Paige. Like Paige has got to get in. She doesn't necessarily have all of the credentials, but you know, like that's part of I think the fun part of doing the Grand Prix, especially in the first year, is like where are the dark horses? You know, and and it's been really fun to watch what giving that opportunity can do for somebody. Um, and especially, I mean, I'm obviously passionate about the women's field and I'm very proud of what we're doing on the, on the Grand Prix side of, you know, 50, 50 payout, 50, 50 field, like all of those things. Um, how have, and, and I'm not, I, I'm not looking for like this glowing recommendation on lifetime Grand Prix, but more about how, it matters to, to a woman getting the opportunity to do something like that, like in general, like, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, opportunity is everything for us. And especially if you're new to the sport, I feel that there's probably a lot of dark horses out there still you've never even heard of. And, and to be honest, like, I feel like I'm still a dark horse. Like I had a season that I would say, I've met my full potential um, because of those setbacks. But for me, like sometimes it's just hard to get into these events. And last year, like I hadn't even heard of half of these events and also didn't even know about the lottery, you know, they have to apply for in the fall. So by the time I hear of the event, it's like, oh, the lottery is already gone. Um, Just learning, you know, all of these different things. So, and for me, being able to line up against the top in the world, um, you know, in our, in our country, like some of these mountain bikers are world-class mountain bikers and just incredible talent. Um, but to be honest, like just awesome females, um, that are just shredding it. And I think that the series is increasing the depth of women pro racing. And it's also showing that a multidisciplinary approach is a good thing. We're seeing that, like, you know, the whole team mountain biker, team gravel riders, the reality is like, gone are the days where you're just a roadie, you know, or you're just this, like, I think that there's benefit, you know, to crossing over and the lifetime Grand Prix series Mm -hmm. has shown that. Um, But yeah, the lifetime, you know, series with just simply having the opportunity to show up is, is a big deal. And, you know, I think for me, like I said, I wouldn't have chosen those mountain bike races. For me, it's been totally out of my comfort zone. Like at Sea Otter, my only goal was <laughs> just, just don't to die. Maybe <laughs> 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 yeah. out of my element. And my original plan going into it was like, okay, I'll toss Sea Otter out and then unbound, I'll really shine because it's a powerhouse day. But then I like crashed and, you know, unbound was out of the, out of the question. And so anyways, the plan, but the plan goes away quickly. And then you can see how important it is to perform well at all of them. But yeah, I just, I would have never signed up for Seattle or Leadville or even Tuam again, but here I am, I'm doing them. I'm learning how to ride on sketchy, you know, I mean, and for me, it's sketchy, <laughs> but a lot of not technical it's a roadies course and meanwhile going down power line I literally like chanted at the end of that descent I was like all right I made it just you know you're alive type of thing but yeah just descending even mountains for me like I've descended you know maybe eight mountains and majority of those have been on road because I live in so yeah, it's provided opportunities just to learn some of those skills, even though it's in the race and then maybe not ideal, but you know, I work and I can't 
I can't be gone for a month in the mountains trying to learn, at least not right now. So yeah, it's, it's been good. I've, I'm very thankful. And uh, the team there has, this has been very um, helpful as well. One of those traveling PA positions where like, you can be like, okay, I need to train at altitude this month. So I'm going to work up in the mountains. Yeah. Just <laughs> them. you don't always get the best hours is what I hear, which can make things tough. No, no. Or locations, but yeah, that is, they do have options out there, but yeah. <laughs> I'll back it up. Just, you know, you talked about, you started racing on Zwift and we had Kate Verano, yeah. who's the director of women's strategy um, for Zwift on the podcast right before the Tour de France Femmes. And of course they played a huge role in that, but she talked about one of the things she was so proud of is how Zwift has been able to even the playing field for men and women so much. Did you feel that like racing on Zwift, like there's just opportunities. Like I can, you know, if you, do you feel like if you would have just showed up to a regular race to start with, it would have been more intimidating or. Oh yeah. Like I, well, first of all, I wouldn't have known where Mm -hmm. my potential was at. Um, and I wouldn't have had that confidence. Um, but with racing in a women's field, it also like, I don't know, there's just something different. Like I remember I would go to like an A group, or an A race that like wasn't part of the racing series that I was in. And it was just all these men. And, and it was just like, I don't have that kind of sprint, like comparing my power to a man's power, like is just not the same. Um, and I also felt like at the premier level, like you have to do a video way in, you know, right before the race, you have to do a record your power. You're on zoom camera while you're racing for the broadcasting and to make sure that like, you're the person actually on the bike. And so I felt like it was, a little bit more realistic with where people are, are at. And, you know, there's things like weight doping and <laughs> the big weight doping controversy on Zwift. Back when I was, did a lot of triathlon, a lot of Zwifting, it was like the big talk, the weight doping controversy. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I do feel like it just gave me a level of comfort racing against other females. And then also just getting confident in where I could compete. And that's where I started to question. Like my big thing is stay curious. Like I, that's, that's a big thing that drives me is like, stay curious. Like what if I could do this? What if that? And so I would often ask myself like, okay, I'm winning these whipped races or I'm near these top women that race professionally. What if I could race professionally? And so it's just constantly asking the question of what if, and then trying, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You fail. And I've done plenty of that. <laughs> I know. And well, and the great thing on Zwift is like, you just got off your bike, right? Like you're not like, I'm stuck in the middle right. of nowhere, yeah. freaking Kansas. Can, yeah. You can go up to the kitchen and get a dinner and get your dinner. Be like, like, I'm done. I'm <laughs> having a glass so of wine done. instead. Screw <laughs> that. Yes. Happy <laughs> <laughs> happy hour. <laughs> As I take another <laughs> sip of water. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Catherine. Um, okay. I, I just, I love, I mean, I think that that's been, we had the question at Gravel Worlds on the women's panel about the impact of Zwift. Um, and I think that the person that was asking the question was somewhat looking for like a negative response, you know? And I was oh. just like, I think, I think Zwift has brought a lot of women, especially coming out of COVID to start lines. I mean, that's when I started. The other thing too, for me is that like, I'm a very busy person and 
have like crazy work hours as a PA. And there's days where like, I need an hour and it's completely pitch dark outside, but I have hard intervals. And it's like, okay, it's a, in the middle of winter like I'm gonna go do those and I know a lot of like hardcore cyclists make fun of people that swift and you know are negative about it but I I don't think that it needs to be that way like it Mm -hmm. is what you make of it and I do have to ride outside to get those skills and trust me now that I'm more of an in real life cyclist like I dread you know the thought of going on there in the winter but there is a place for it in most people's training whether it's supplementing your training or, you know, adjunct with your schedule. I mean, think about busy moms that have kids. Or- kids taking a nap, you can hop on Zwift. Like just boom. I, yeah. I, I just think it's such a great tool. And I actually, when I was in the heart of training hard, I enjoyed the flip to the winter cycling season on Zwift. Like I looked forward to the change And like, you know, things that I could concentrate on that I wouldn't necessarily concentrate on outdoors, like, you know, making sure my pedal stroke was even like, like things like that, that like when you're outside, you just kind of don't think about and because you're thinking about the road and everything else that comes with just being outside. Um, I I love Zwift. I think it's got a great place. Zwift, would you like to sponsor this podcast? Or sponsor know, page. Right? <laughs> yeah, just go with that. Like, right there. They don't have any money this year. They just did it all. But then also, like, my sister who lives in Minneapolis, she's a working mom, and she has three kids. And sometimes her and I will just hop on Zwift and we'll FaceTime. And then it, we're riding together, you know? Yeah, it's there's, there's a lot of good opportunities if you choose yeah. to view it that way. I love that. Okay, well, you were telling us before we started that uh, you've had to learn some interesting lessons just about uh, um, what it can be like racing at that pro level and some of the reality of some intimidation. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'm going to kind of let you share with us a little, a little bit of what you've been learning. And you even kind of alluded to it with the woman that wouldn't take the poll and then left you. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's lots that I've learned this year. And um, sometimes I don't like learning things in a race the hard way. But um, honestly, like it cements it in your brain, and you'll never make those mistakes again. But Um, you know, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of different ways to race at this level. And, um, you know, we, we've seen that with some of the drama, um, even on the men's side, you know, with, uh, the camelback versus, you know, yes, exactly. Um, and at the end of the day, like it is such, there's a lot of gray area in this sport because it's still being developed and that leads room for, you know, kind of interpreting the rules with how you see fit. And unfortunately, I think there are athletes and even teams out there that have more of a win at all cost type of mentality and really can kind of stretch things or look at the gray areas. Um, and so for example, the camelback, you know, if you're, if you're racing with a camelback, you should probably finish with it. Otherwise you're dropping it or getting some sort of support along the course, or even if you're pitching it into a trash can, why would you waste a perfectly good camelback? It just doesn't even seem, you know, in my mind, resourceful. But again, that's just how I view things. And and that's not right or wrong. It's just how I prefer to view racing and, and how I want to represent myself. Um, and there has been like, I think in my mind going into races, I often view like females want to build up other females. And so when you're racing, like, you know, I would, 
I gave my paint stick to Emily Newsom at Mid-South because her mud was getting clogged up and she asked for it. And I didn't have any problems with mine, so I gave it to her. And other people would say, why would you do that? Like, she's your competitor. Um, so you really have to be careful and think through these things ahead of time. It's like, how would you respond in that moment? And how does other people, you know, interpret how you race? Um, and then, you know, more recently at Gravel Worlds, um, you know, I wrote a blog about my experience there, but um, I do race on a co-ed team. And, you know, there's been more so last year, um, you know, with male domestiques, with teammates, a lot of highlight to that area. And it's really hard at how gravel races are structured right now for women. And, you know, having a mass start with the men, a lot of times for those longer races, it literally comes down to what female can stay with the lead men's group for the longest. And that's who wins. And so, uh, you know, your position in that pack, maybe who you know in that pack and a variety of things really can make a big difference. Um, Gravel Worlds tried a different approach this year for how they started the women. But I think it, you know, I really appreciated they tried something different. Um, I do think it made the start a little bit more chaotic to try to get into position with the men's field. Um, But anyways, yeah, I, I think my experience at that race was that I was in a group of with the second, third and fourth position for the day. And the other two women were very strong. And there was moments like my heart was so full of joy because I don't know, there was like eight other guys in the group and the three of us women were on the front. Like we were doing, you were like, doing we it. wanted it was like, you. Yeah. And yeah. I remember thinking like, what a ass group of women. I, like I respected those two other women a lot. And I could tell like they, they wanted to, to chase and that they were strong. And so we had went by a rider who flatted and I, as this is like a key that I've always made note of is anytime you go by someone who's flatted and they were probably ahead of you means that they're probably stronger than you. So that might be a wheel that you want to watch for later on. And so as we're going by this rider, I realized it was my teammate. Um, and I even told the people verbally around me, I said, Hey, that guy's really strong. We're going to want to try to get on his wheel just to kind of have everyone be aware that 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 might be a good option. Um, and so as that rider came through, like I was surprised I was the only one that went and there was no warning that he was coming. Um, he was just going. And I remember thinking in a moment, like I, I could implode at any point in time because he is stronger than me, but it was my chance to get second or even get higher position and try to catch first place at that time. But looking at it, as soon as I jumped his wheel, then I realized no other people went with me. My initial reaction was panic because I said, people are going to think this was planned and that I was working with my teammate. So sad because if it was any other male, I would have done the same exact thing. And so that's just some of the stuff that's going through your mind as a racer, as a female gravel cyclist is sometimes those situations can be really hard to navigate. Um, and unfortunately I had some verbal intimidation by um, a particular person and it just wasn't how I envisioned the race going, but like I said, it happens. And I learned the hard way, a few lessons that day, and I probably wouldn't change what I did because I know at the end of the day, I represented myself well, and I represented my sponsors well, and that's important to me. But at the same time, like I was, I let intimidation dictate how I raced and yeah, that I, that's what again. I would say <laughs> is that that a hundred percent is just, 
the talk and the gravel beef that goes on after something like that is exactly that. Like the truth is, is like when you made that move, your wheel was available to everybody else in that group. A hundred percent. Right. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I think like you said, it's just, that's what I need to take away from this is, uh, you make mistakes, right. And, um, people that have power sometimes, you know, that, that can be even more intimidating to me because I'm still very new in this and reputation is important, but at the same time, like there's so many different perspectives and there's, yeah, you just got to be careful with that. So that's why I wrote the blog. It wasn't to bring attention. It was more so to empower people to realize like, this is a tactic that I wasn't even really aware of. I never really thought through like verbal intimidation or yelling as a tactic, but it is. And it's well known that it is. And my coach taught me that and walked me through that. Um, but you know, at the same time, like I want other people to know about that ahead of time, think through what you're going to do in those situations. I mean, I look at it always like as, as a race director, probably first and foremost, you know, because the, the call for race directors to continually put more rules on events or more, more rules in the space. I don't think that's the right answer. I think that, you know, you have to walk that line super closely. Um, but I also like, look at that and I'm like, you know, that sucks that that happened to you hundred percent. Like there was the, the person out there that felt the power and felt the need to dominate and, and be intimidating like that. And then I'm also like, yeah, you as the female cyclist, screw that dude. I'm going to do what I'm doing. Cause I'm riding <laughs> super strong. But, you know, I mean, like there's the whole navigation yeah. of both sides of that point, because you understand both of it as a female. I totally get it. Like I've lived yeah. a life of being intimidated and, and wondering if I'm valued and if I'm strong enough to be in the space, you know? Right. That's like on yes. and off the bike too. I mean, I have I work as a female medical provider, like yeah. I mean, I've been harassed. I've been, there's the list goes on that all of us can likely relate to. And it's sad to say that, but like, I mean, I was disappointed that I didn't, you know, I wasn't a strong female in that moment. No. You, you, you were a strong female <laughs> well, in that moment. And that's why you were a strong female in that moment, because you, you thought, you thought through, you thought through the entire process and, and, and maybe you weren't, right maybe you weren't experienced, but you were strong. And that's, those are two very different things. Um, yeah. I think she froze. You froze for just a second. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's probably a better way to, better way to look at that. (laughs) Is there something you take from this that you want to take into future races then? I think the biggest thing is not being, as apologetic, I guess, like, and being, being more forceful, right? Like I am a very strong person and I always like, I'm the, I don't know. I think like I need to, I don't want to say gross, you know, I'm trying to think of the right phrase. Um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest takeaway for me through all of that was that I know what I represent and what I stand for. Mm -hmm. And I know how strong I am and no one should ever take that away from me with something that is a threat. So for me going into those other races and having more confidence saying, no, screw you. I'm going to do what I'm currently doing, which is crushing people's souls. So yeah. I think that's the name of the podcast. 
<laughs> so, uh, and you can, you can crush people's souls by being kind too. Like there's, there's- I think that's my point is like, I, I think, I think that the crazy thing is what's frustrating is when the other human feels like I can use this power play. And because this person is kind, I have an opportunity to take something away from them. And, and that's where you don't right. want to give that up. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and also Paige, honestly, like people know, people know who you are. And even if that controversy would have come out, even if that would have been a gravel beef, it would have been gone in like three days. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, you know, honestly, like I'm a big fan of learning these things now because I do feel that I have a long time in this sport yet, and I have never, I have not come close to what my full potential is. And so I'm thankful for these experiences because I feel they're going to make me better. They're going to make me better on the bike, off the bike. Hopefully it helps other people learn too. So it's not always fun, but like I said, there's lessons in every race. There were- well, and I'm really, I'm really proud of you for writing that blog too. Cause I thought yeah. that was really important as well. Yeah. I was like nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, cause I'm not usually a computational person, but, um, yeah, it was, I talked to my family about it and a couple of my teammates and just feel like it needed to be said. Yeah. There's a, we actually, when we had quite a while ago on our podcast, her name's Vanessa Forster and, um, she's a triathlete. And she's, uh, she's racing Kona this year, which is the big triathlon national or world championship. And she and a friend of hers, I just saw they come out with this thing, uh, that they're rallying women around. It's called with is greater than against. And the idea of you can race with your competition. Yeah. Actually, if we race with our competition, like if we want them to do their best, that means we're elevated to our best. And so whoever's the best on that day is going to win, right? Like I can want you to do your very best because I can want to do my very best and my best to be better. doesn't mean I have to race against you. I can race mm-hmm. with you. And I, that's like a little bit right. of a new, like, but you know, cause I think sometimes as women, we're taught to just be nice all the time. And so, and so I like that spin on that idea of like, actually, if we all just come out and we put our very best in and we believe that we're putting our very best in, it's not about, it's me versus me. And at the end of the day, if I give my very best and I'm better than you, then I won. Right. Right. And um, so it's a way to like approach our competition with like respect and kindness without diminishing ourselves. Yeah, no, I like that. And I do think you're right. Like women are like, I don't say brainwash, but like, we're just conditioned in our culture to like, you have to be nice. And, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't always have to, to be that way. And it doesn't mean that if you're not quote nice, that you're, you're bad. There's a lot of, no, I, mean, I think we actually are brainwashed. <laughs> we apologize for a lot of shit. That's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That could also be the podcast title. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. Well, I, I, it's just been fun watching, like watching you grow into this space with not like grace and kindness, humility and power. Like it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to get to be, you know, um, 
the grandma at the show. Like <laughs> the grandma. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been fun, and I'm so thankful. The community here in Michigan has been really supportive, and I just remember like last year. I mean, even this year too. Just certain things like learning how to change a tire, and just all the mechanical side go into it and so I did like a bike uh, maintenance clinic with my local bike shop freewheeler here in town and uh, started leading a women's group ride which has been awesome and just I mean just trying to get other people to not be as intimidated and to have like a safe place where they can ask questions and I do feel that like that is probably one of the most important things for like any new female cyclist is just to, to create and find or you know, get a mentor, uh, some, somewhere where you can ask questions and just not feel silly. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And not get mansplained too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's nice to avoid. <laughs> Maybe we should define mansplaining yeah. in case any mansplainers are listening. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Remember we had Erin on and she told us but there was actually research done on mansplaining. So she did uh, go back, go back and listen to that. Go one. back to listen well, to Erin Ayala's podcast. She has actual research on mansplaining. It's an oh wow, it's, that's it's an oldie. Yeah. Um, I had a race where I had it was like a smaller local race, and I was on the front pulling, and a guy in the group that like was dropped from a previous group basically got into our pack. And then I'll never forget this. He was like, basically yelling at me for being on the front. He's like, why, why are you pulling? You need to save yourself. And why is there a girl up front? And so he'd go to the front and uh, then the pace would slow. So we just go around him and he just kept making comments about what I was doing and why there was a female in the group. And Thankfully, the other like two guys that were in the group, like basically like came back and said, like, we're so sorry that this guy is doing this. Like, let's all drop him. And so <laughs> we did. It was great. It. But yeah. And so, you know, it's just, it's so, I think a lot of uh, that is still out there too. Um, you know, especially the smaller scale events. Uh, and that can be like, kind of demoralizing and frustrating as a female, uh, cyclist at times. But I, I mean, kudos to the other guys in the group that are like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah, this is not, this is actually not unusual. (laughs) Yeah. This is actually what we deal with regularly. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think it's interesting when you are around male cyclists, men in general, that don't think that way when they see you in those situations and, you know, they're apologizing for the other portions of their male species. Like, you know, I'm like, (laughs) yeah, this is not, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying it's like, we have so far to go. Like we've come so far. There's still a long way to go. Like a long way. I mean, it's, it's generations. So I want to say it's not, but it is. (laughs) So the one guy that listens to our podcast, it's not just, it doesn't just happen to women. I, I'm actually on this Facebook group here in Tacoma and we have massive hills here, like comparable to hills that I drove up in San Francisco when I spent time there. So they're like long and super steep. And so poor new guy that moved here, that's trying to bike commute. And he was like, I'm trying to avoid, like, it's this probably, I would say the average grade is probably 17, 18%. And it's probably a good three quarters of a mile. And 
<laughs> he was like, I'm trying because I'm just not strong enough to write up. And this guy tunes, you know, everybody's like, oh, you'll get there. blah blah. And this one guy tunes and he's like, I don't understand why this is a problem. I've been doing it for 20 years. And I was like, what an asshole. Like, guy that's new to town trying to get around town on bike and you have to be an yeah. asshole to him just to like make yourself feel superior so it's- right and that's like they clearly have a uh, issue with their like self-confidence in order to need and it, it makes me sad it's like it's so sad you acknowledge that to the one guy that listens like i said <laughs> we had we had a guy fan that came up to us at well to be unbound so I was like, I have a guy. Well, Paige, what's up for you for the rest of the season? You're going to finish out the Grand Prix. And what else? Yes. Yep. So I have four more races. Uh, I have Schwamigan next weekend. Um, and then I have BWR Michigan. Uh, so kind of excited that BWR is coming to Michigan. And there's like a moment festival that's going around uh, that weekend as well. It should be a good time. And then I'll do Big Sugar and then Iceman, uh, which is the first weekend in November. And um, oh, I don't know if you've heard of Iceman, but it's a, it's a mountain bike race uh, here in Michigan. And uh, they have a really good, um, like, just a fun format. Like, uh, basically, all of the age group racers go during the day and then the pros go in the afternoon. And pretty much everyone lines the course at the end. And it's just, just a big party afterwards. And kind of uh, celebrates end of season here in Michigan. So uh, that's always a, a fun time for us after. Um, but yeah, then after Iceman, I will take some time off the bike. And, and back into Zwift racing. <laughs> yeah, man, I've thought about it, but uh, yeah, with season starting up again already in March, yeah, you gotta be a, a, it's a yeah, short, it's pretty it's short it's winter. Time. Yeah. Yeah, for winter. So a little bit more hours at work probably. And then, uh, yeah, trying to make up for some hours missed throughout yeah. the rest well, of the year. Well, and anybody <laughs> listening that uh, wants to sponsor Paige, like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> so well, awesome. Well, how can people follow you and support you or, or connect with you? And then I'll also link that blog post that you were referring to in our show notes. So if people are like, what is she talking about? They can go read the whole full story. Yeah. So I have a website where I kind of do race recaps and blogs, uh, pagepower.com. And then um, usually Instagram, I'm updating pretty regularly. So that's a good place to follow along my adventures. And I'm at pagepowered on Instagram awesome. there. Glad they don't have to figure out how to spell your last name. Just kidding. It's not bad. <laughs> I already forgot what it was. All I see, is, all I see is page powered on the screen. I like that you're, you've gone all in on the brand. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you both for having me. And again, thanks again for what you guys are doing uh, on this podcast. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.